hear uh, the word of the Lord from Genesis 2, 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. The very word of God. God. Hear the word of our Lord from Hebrews 4, 1 through 11. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed entered that rest, as he had said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in the passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest since therefore it remains for some to enter it. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts for if Joshua had given them rest. God would have not spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. The very word of God. Mm, mm, My goodness. What a privilege to be able to come to the Word of God in anticipation of coming to the table of the Lord. But we, uh, boy, that was a lot of words going by right there. But powerful, powerful truths. How do we live in such a way that every day is a holy day, right? How do we live in such a way that everyone who sees us sees the living God through us? How do we live in such a way that the mercy and grace of Jesus that has been poured out on us flows through us to everyone we encounter? That's the essence of everyday holy day. That's the essence of everyday holiness, right? Well, uh, as we begin to think about different holy days that God has set apart for us, yeah, children, if you would like to join your Friends, in a special time of worship, you can meet them in the back of the sanctuary. We'll so look forward. Joe, would you remember about communion today and come being back for communion? Thank you. Goodness, how do we how do we approach every day as if it's a holy day? Well, God has already given us this incredible gift, and I want to start there today. I want to think about this gift of of Sabbath. Now, if you Google that, if you if you go online and start asking questions, even in the Christian community, you'll find a, a diversity of opinions about Sabbath. Should we keep Sabbath? When should we keep Sabbath? You know, uh, are we succumbing to legalism if we do that? Has has 
the resurrection changed everything? Has, has the resurrection of Jesus now abrogated any kind of Sabbath and replaced it with the Lord's Day? All those questions are really good. And I just want to start by saying, sister and brother in Christ, when you have the Holy Spirit in you, you can be taught by God. Go to his word. We're just going to be able to scratch the surface on this issue today, but I'm hoping to give you enough entry points that, that you'll be able to pursue that and come to that place where God grants you such a life-giving rhythm in in your week that that every day becomes a holy day. Well, a giant step toward that is coming to terms with this gift of God called Sabbath. And let me just jump right into it today and uh, try and give you enough entry points. Um, I want to think, first of all, uh, uh, what is the motivation for Sabbath? What is what is the motivation for our Sabbath. And let me just start by saying, God Sabbath. Okay, and I'm, I'm using that word awkwardly today because we're going to explain it later. Um, but I want to just keep, first of all, to this idea of Sabbath. God Sabbath, right? We heard it from, from Jordan just a few moments ago. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And, uh, and our ESV says, and he rested, which is totally appropriate, but the literal word right there is Sabbath, right? He Sabbathed on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. God Sabbath, right? And, and so the implication is if God Sabbath, maybe we should delve a little deeper here, right? Maybe we should, we should uh, come to terms with Sabbath. As well. Now, immediately you might be thinking, yeah, but I'm, Pastor Dave, you just don't understand. I'm a type A, high capacity person. I'm multitasking all the time. I'm able to do many things at once. God Sabbath. Type A person. God Sabbath. Yeah, but I'm a, I'm a doer, right? I have all kinds of stuff going on in my life right now. I don't have time to, to stop for, certainly for 24 hours, right? Isn't just coming to church for an hour enough? God, Sabbath. But I got little kids at home and I'm starting my own business. God, Sabbath. God, the creator of the universe, Sabbath. And in doing so, he gave us The greatest gift, right? He gave us a rhythm of life. I believe that that's woven into the fabric of creation. So that even though we don't have to, because of the resurrection, even though we're not bound by do this or don't do that, we can open this Precious gift. Oh, he, he encourages us work for six days, right? But give one day a week to God. Stop for one day. I don't think it'll come as any surprise that every single society in the history of world civilization 
has been built around a seven-day work weekend. It doesn't really make sense, right? Other, other events and calendar items, other structure in our life is built around the rotation of the earth or, or the rotation of the earth around the sun. So many other things are tied to, to um, cosmic kind of events. The seven-day week is not, right? It's built this seven-day rhythm. Is built out of God's own rhythm. God's own rhythm. In fact, there was a serious challenge back, I think it was at the French Revolution, when, when they attempted a 10-day work week, right? A 10-day week to step up productivity. Can you guess what happened? Oh, it was the same thing that happened on the Oregon Trail when, when a major party came to disagreement. They were so afraid they weren't going to make it to Oregon by winter that they said, maybe we should not Sabbath, right? Maybe we should just press through, right? And there was a big division on this particular party, right? And, and one of the parties says, well, anybody that comes with us, we're going to press through. We're going to make sure we get to Oregon. And the other one said, no, we're going to, we're going to work hard for six, six days and then rest. On the seventh, you see this coming a mile off, don't you? Who got there first? Yeah, yeah. isn't that interesting? I, I I could try and put words to it, but the words that are coming to me right the second are God honors those who honor Him, right? God honors those who honor Him. Well, I think that we are living the French Revolution all over again, not not due to a government fiat or some attempt to elongate the week. Oh, to a larger, vast conspiracy of modern life that's throwing us out of any rhythm at all. At all, right? Our smartphones, electricity, our alarm clocks, the cars, all of these have created a world where we go and we go and we go and we never stop. How do we put it? If you don't Sabbath, you will get Sabbath, right? We go and go and go and then bam, we're flat on our back. We're flat on our back. But God didn't create us that way. Right? This goes all the way back to creation. Right? There is a rhythm of day and night, of waking and sleeping. There is a, a rhythm of noise and activity. There is a rhythm of spring and summer. There is a rhythm of quiet and, and silence. There is a tidal rhythm between the land and the sea that's over all the earth within our own bodies there's a rhythm of inhale and exhale right and when we lose that sense of rhythm pace right we lose a part of who god created us to be i know it's not rocket science i know it's not news to you but you are not a machine Several businesses that I visit have machines that go constantly. Three shifts of people come by. The machines go constantly. The people can't, but the machines do. Beloved, you are not a machine. And when you go against the Sabbath rhythm, we go against the rhythm that God, the Creator Himself, has built into our bodies, that He has built into the fabric of creation. Well, well, isn't Sabbath just a result of, of sin? Isn't it a result of the fall? No. No. We read Genesis 2 because Genesis 2 is before the fall, right? God ordained Sabbath before the fall, and he blessed the seventh day. He made it holy, right? 
Because on that day, he rested from all the work that he had done. Now, the Sabbath isn't an accommodation for our brokenness, for our sin, for our weakness. The Sabbath is a part of God's perfect plan. Adam and Eve were supposed to rest while they were still in Eden. While things were perfect, God instituted Sabbath. Because rest is a part of the perfection of creation. Sabbath is part of the very uh, uh, created order. And God said in Genesis 1, it is very good. So, so we can anchor ourselves in the fact that God Sabbath. We can anchor ourselves in the fact that he ordained Sabbath before the fall. But at some point, we've got to come to terms with the fact that God commanded Sabbath. Here again, uh, Christians disagree on whether Sabbath is a command or not. And I entrust that to you. And, and I do that wholeheartedly. Uh, you can be taught by God, we're told, right, in, in 1 John. You can be taught by God. Um, but I want you to come to wrestle a little bit, right? Is it okay to steal? This is a trick question, isn't it? Because the answer seems so obvious, right? It's, it's obvious, right? Is it okay to commit adultery, right? Is it okay? Is it, is it okay to, to lie and to covet? Is it okay to worship idols? Are, are all these things okay? Every single one of us would say no. And, and where, would you, where would you cite if, if you were going to scriptures? You'd probably go to Exodus 20 or you'd go to uh, Deuteronomy 5, the two accounts of the Ten Commandments, and you would say, no, no. Certainly the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and all your mind. The second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. But in terms of how we live... How do we love God? First three commandments, right? How do we love our neighbor? The last six commandments. What's in between those two? Wow. Wow. The fourth commandment. Um, honor. In Deuteronomy, observe. In Exodus, remember the Sabbath, right? And keep it. Keep it holy. Wow. The Sabbath isn't just a good idea. It's one of the Ten Commandments. In fact, I'm, this is just the weirdness. I'm kind of a Bible nerd, right? But, but the weirdness of this is it takes about 40% of the Ten Commandments are all in the Fourth Commandment. Isn't that incredible? Um, this, is, this is important to God, right? And this is the only commandment we brag about breaking. Oh, my goodness. Even in... In all the moral decay of, of our Western culture, you know, few people brag about how many lies they make. Few people brag about killing somebody, right? But we brag all the time about how busy we are, even on the Lord's Day. Well, long before Sabbath was a command in Scripture... That command came in time of Moses, right? Long before it was a command, it was a gift of God from the Creator to you and me. And by the way, not just to humans, 
but to their animals, to the land. Sabbath was a gift of a generous, joyful, loving God. Sabbath was a gift of God to you and to me. So, so we are to remember, we are to observe, we are to keep the Sabbath. Now, a person who is free in Jesus, I want to, it'll seem to you like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I, I want you to know that, that not everyone is free to Sabbath on the same day. There's beauty in that. And pretty early, by the third century, Christians in general were, were Sabbathing on the first day, not on the seventh day. Um, uh, they Sabbath on Resurrection Day, on the first day of the week. I'm going out here and just saying, I don't think it matters. I got pretty strong support in the Apostle Paul and Colossians and in Romans. But I don't think it matters what day you do it. I think it's beautiful when you can do it in community. That's why we gather on the Lord's Day. But the issue is Sabbath, not the when or the where or all those other things that people disagree on. So, God commanded Sabbath. God ordained Sabbath. God himself Sabbath. But I want you to note, especially today from our passage in Hebrews, that Sabbath is a metaphor for eternity. There, in, this, in this brief passage, and I'm going to trust uh, a couple of small groups are meeting right after our service. A couple more meet during the week. I'm going to trust as you get deeper in your small groups this week into the Hebrews 4 passage that you'll be able to see that, that in Hebrews 4, 4, there is a creation rest, right? That, that, that as we've seen already, that from the very beginning, God set apart a Sabbath for creation. There also was, uh, he speaks in this Hebrews passage about, about the people of God moving toward, and he uses this imagery again, this metaphor. Again, there was, there was a holy land or, or a Canaan rest, right? And part of the Hebrews uh, passage, Hebrews 4.8 in particular, Psalm 95, um, these passages talk about those who got right to the doorstep of the Sabbath of God and refused to go in. Wow, I'm not going to point too many fingers at uh, that generation who was delivered from bondage in Egypt because I have gotten right to the edge of Canaan as well and refused to go in. He also talks about a weekly Sabbath or a weekly rest in Hebrews 4, 9 through 10. There's there's this implication. He's merging all these concepts together. There's this implication that that each week we have this privilege of coming to the edge of 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 Sabbath and entering in. But make no mistake, there is ultimately an eternal Sabbath. There is an eternal rest or heaven, right, which, which the author of the book of Hebrews weaves into this metaphor. It is all of the above from the very beginning of human time of creation to, to the very end when, when we go and stand before the throne of grace. Sabbath is a part of that. Well, let's press pause for a second and say we need to go back and kind of 
uh, explore what is this thing? What is this, the meaning? And, and I'm going to suggest to you the beauty of Sabbath. Let's just note right off the bat that the word itself has meaning. Sabbath is a Hebrew word that means to stop. To stop, right? And to stop what you're doing, to stop that hectic, frenetic pace of life, as, as the psalmist would put it, to be still, right? And know that he is God. So a part of the meaning of it is just to stop. Cease striving is a modern interpretation of, of that passage. Cease striving, right? Stop. But, but beautifully, it, it, it also means to rest. God rested on the seventh day. Now, uh, we don't have time today, but uh, make a note in your, I think it's actually at the top of your page, your study notes, you'll see the Isaiah 40 passage. What a beautiful passage. You know most of it by heart uh, already, right? But in that passage, we see that God does not grow tired or weary, right? He didn't rest because he was tired. He was tuckered out from six days of creation. No, he rested to create a pattern for you and me that would be godlike that would be godly that would bring life instead of drain us of it a part of the meaning of sabbath is to rest that's why a lot of you when you get to if you don't take a sabbath when all of a sudden you get one what do you do this happened to me uh, in California just a couple of weeks ago, uh, Karen and I hustled out there. We, we spent several days cleaning my dad's house. We went back down into Los Angeles, picked up, you know, this vacation wasn't a vacation, right? We were working hard. And then, and then when Matt and Alyssa and their family got there, um, I just let go. I just relaxed, right? And what's the first thing I did? Collapse. I got up in the morning. Seven or eight in the morning, skipped walking with my dad, hung around for a couple hours, went to bed at 11 o'clock in the morning, didn't wake up till seven o'clock the next morning, right? Why? Rest, right? Rest. It's a beautiful gift of God. Rest. But Sabbath is so much more. If God wasn't, if he wasn't resting, what was he doing? And, and another beautiful aspect of of the idea of Sabbath is it is a time to just delight. And I, I tried to think of a better analogy, but, but I was mowing the lawn when I was thinking about this. And, and it took me about an hour and a half and I got most of the stuff done. There's so much more needs to be done. My lawn's totally out of control. But you know, when I was done, I just kind of stopped for a second and I looked back over the lawn and there just was this little, wow. Wow, I just delighted for a minute because that's about how long it took for my grass to grow and be out of control again. I delighted for a minute. And that incredible privilege, so much of what I do, I never see the results of, right? But for a minute, I could see those nicely mown things, right? I just delighted in that, right? I know it's a poor use of the word delight. It's so much richer. It's, it's intimately related with joy that, that God created the world in six days and then he just delighted in it, right? He, he just took joy in it. 
And, and I just want to encourage you that God wants to give you that same gift once a, once a week to, to stop and to rest. And then when you're rested, to just delight in all that he has done, including what he has done through you. A key part of Sabbath is delight. But for us, a key part of, of Sabbath is, is worship, right? Is ascribing worth to something. It's discovering that we're not the be all and the end all. That there is something so much greater that all we can do is, as we sang a few moments ago, fall on our knees, right? And, and say, I surrender. You alone are worthy of praise. You alone are worthy of trust. Even when I don't understand what you're doing, God, you have proven yourself over and over faithful. I will trust in you, right? I ascribe worth to you, God. A key part of Sabbath is worship. I think that's a key part of why Christianity has kind of moved that Sabbath to, to the Lord's Day. Because we merge those two dimensions of it, right? But don't lose sight of this precious gift, beloved. Sabbath is a gift of an infinite God to finite humans. It's the gift of an infinite God who has every resource at his disposal to those of us who don't. This meeting and the beauty and Sabbath. It is a gift that's given. But like all gifts, like salvation, it is a gift that must be opened, right? It's a gift that must be embraced. Now, is there an urgency? This is what struck me so much from our Hebrews passage. There's an urgency of Sabbath, right? Did you hear it in Hebrews 4, 1 to 2? Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest, his Sabbath, still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Do you see how it's incorporating every aspect, all four dimensions, stop, rest, delight, worship, right? It's incorporating all those aspects, right? For good news came to us just as it did to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them. Because they were not united by faith with those who listened, right? You, Sabbath is an act of faith. It's an act to say, even when I'm not in control, God, I'm going to believe that you are. He continues in Hebrews 4, 6. Therefore, it remains for some to enter it, right? Look at this. For those who formerly received the good news, right, failed to enter because of disobedience. So there is an edge to this, right? There is an edge. And then he continues in Hebrews I got four six marked on here, but it's four eleven, I believe. Therefore, let us strive to enter that rest. This always struck me from the very first day I read it as a fifteen year old follower of Jesus. The awkwardness of let's strive to rest isn't that interesting? But do you see what he's doing? He's saying you've got to choose to do this. And beloved, this is not just about you, right? People are watching you. 
You are making disciples, right? Who will make disciples? That's not a, a question. It's not, am I making? No, you are. The question is, what kind of disciple are you making? Are you making a disciple who, who is able to say, God, you're sovereign over my life. I will work for six days. Um, but God, you're sovereign over my life. I'm going to give one day of my week to you. The Sabbath is a 24-hour period of time set aside to stop and rest and delight and worship. It is the best day of the week. And in our era of chronic exhaustion and emotional unhealth and spiritual stagnation, right? Few things are as precious as this gift of God. Let me put one more point on it, then we'll move just really fast through some practical starting points and we'll come to the table of the Lord. I don't know if I articulated this well, but as I was wrestling with this and my own disobedience, my own disobedience in Sabbath, right? Oh, God, I'll, I'll give you a couple hours, right? And then, and then it's going to be a busy week, God. I've got to get a head start on next week, right? If we can't practice Sabbath now, what makes us think that we will experience it in eternity? If we can't practice it now, I know that's, that's a sharp edge on that. But sometimes I need sharp edges to call me out, right? To ask, what is, Dave, what do you really believe about this? I want you to understand one more time. In Jesus Christ, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, Christ is all you need. But if you won't trust the precious gifts that he gives you, are you, are you really having faith in Christ? Do you see that? Christ never abrogated. Don't confuse all those passages where he broke heads of grain on that, you know. He was breaking their rules about Sabbath. He wasn't breaking Sabbath. Jesus honored Sabbath. They celebrated it. Well, how about us? If, if we wanted to take a step of faith into Sabbath, where would, where would we start? A starting point for Sabbath is to decide when you will celebrate Sabbath. For some of you, this is rocking your world because you, you cannot fathom a time other than the Lord's Day. That's beautiful. If that's where, where you can do it. Uh, but not everyone is able to do it on the Lord's Day, right? It's much more important to keep it than it is what day you keep it. Decide when you're going to do that. My suggestion to you is that you share that with someone and ask them to hold you accountable. Around the office, we ask that all the time. How was your Sabbath? It's a general way of saying, I'd love to hear stories of how you met God. But in the back of that is also, a, did you keep Sabbath? Did you honor the Sabbath, and for many of us, uh, Sundays is not the day that we do that because we're preparing, we're, we're leading, we're doing things in, on Sundays. The second thing is what time will you start? And I'll just say that briefly because for the Hebrews, the day began when? Help me. In the evening, right? As the sun set. And if you've never explored that, we're going to explore it in depth this fall when we, when we come again to our study of making room for life. And we're going to talk about the Hebrew calendar again this fall. But for right now, just, just recall that, that that's a beautiful thing, right? That, that the first thing you do 
is, is break bread together as the day begins. Then you spend a couple of, of beautiful hours with friends or with family, right? And then you rest. And work is the last thing that you do, right? Isn't that beautiful? So decide when you're going to start your Sabbath. By the way, uh, I was just talking to one person today, and, and yesterday was a very hectic day for this person, and, and they didn't get back till all hours of the night. They're faithfully here this morning, but they were exhausted, right? And, and, and so you can see a beauty in saying, we're going to work on, on the day before Sabbath all the way up until 6 o'clock, and then we're going to stop. And we're going to come, if you choose to worship, to practice Sabbath on Sunday, we're going to come to Sabbath rested and ready, right, for what God has in store. Decide what day, what time. I want to really encourage you, and if you'd like to explore this more, just talk to me. I've got a couple of options for you to explore this over four weeks or so that will greatly deepen your understanding of this. There's some wonderful resources out there, but choose three elements. Some people choose beginning Sabbath with lighting candles. Some begin Sabbath with a, a meal, a family meal. Choose what three things, and there's no magic in the number three, what three things you're going to do every Sabbath just to, to um, get into rhythm of Sabbath. Uh, is, is the Word of God going to be a part of that? Is, is recreation going to be a part of that? Are you going to go for a walk every Sabbath? Um, choose three things that you want to include every sabbath worship team come on up if you would choose also three things that you want to exclude right uh um, beloved i'm just going to name it but but if you're babysitting your phone all sabbath long and i say that and i'm babysitting my phone even as we speak i'm going to tap it just to see no response yet they're still in transition for but but if you're babysitting it right then then it's going to wreck your sabbath a lot of people have chosen to have a Sabbath box where they put things in at the beginning of Sabbath. They close the box and they don't open it again until Sabbath is over. Will the world go on? Yeah. If somebody really needs to get a hold of you, they will find a way. But what things might you need to exclude for that one day, right? So that you can be fully present for God. Then I want you to to prepare for Sabbath. Don't wait until the beginning of Sabbath to prepare. Just like relationships. My wife reminded me of this last week. You know, relationships are all day long. They're 24 hours long. We don't prepare just at the last minute, right? Uh, our Sabbath is going to be the natural overflow of our thoughtful preparation. It might mean that you have to cook or do some things a little bit early. It might mean that you have to uh, clear your calendar, but... But physically, emotionally, and spiritually prepare for the Lord's Day or Sabbath as you take it. And then, and then lastly, um, if you're going to receive this gift of God of, of a day, right? And again, our whole implication is that if you live Sabbath well, all the rest of your week will go well too, right? But give yourself grace. This is really hard. Most people, as I was following people who were just beginning their Sabbath, they, they talked about what was called a J-curve. I'm going to do it backwards here for you. A J-curve. In other words, when you start doing Sabbath, 
things go wrong. It doesn't work well. And if you judge your Sabbath by how well it goes the first couple weeks, first three weeks, first three months, right? You might go, this is, this is not working, right? But, but then it comes back up. But then you slip into the rhythm of, of Sabbath and, and the discipline of Sabbath becomes a delight, right? And when it's a delight, then God gives you, help me, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart, not the cars and the vans. You tell what I'm thinking about, right? Um, He will give you his desires, right? Oh, God, thank you for all your precious gifts. Thank you for this precious gift of grace. God, you are spiritually present in this bread and in this cup. Take them, would you? Take these elements and, God, make them become the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. So that as by faith we walk forward, as by faith we sit down, as by faith we partake of these elements, God. Real grace will be provided for us in our time of need. So we love you, God, and we offer ourselves on this Lord's Day. We offer ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.